Congress averts a government shutdown at the very last minute. Representative Jamal Bowman pulls a fire alarm to delay the vote. And Representative Matt Gates threatens Kevin McCarthy's speakership. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Alrighty, so it looked as though there was going to be a government shutdown over the weekend. It was averted at the very last minute, mainly because... Kevin McCarthy decided that he was going to move forward with what we call a clean continuing resolution. It takes about 45 days into the future, takes us into November. It does not include funding for the Ukraine war. The Senate then quickly passed that. And then it was signed by President Biden. This happened about three hours before a shutdown was set to take effect. The Democrats obviously did not want to have some sort of deep abiding fight over Ukraine funding in the continuing resolution. They didn't want to go to the American people and say the reason we're having a government shutdown right now is because we need X billion dollars more for the Ukraine war. Again, the sentiment against the American funding of the Ukraine war is growing and growing mainly because the United States has never presented a plan for any sort of off-ramp. If you actually want the American people to back a plan, you have to have a plan, but the Biden administration has no plan. Democrats didn't want to have that debate publicly. Now, the reason that this deal ended up getting done in the way that it got done is because there was a wing of the Republican Party that actually scuttled a significantly better deal. Just a couple of weeks ago, it looked as though the Republicans were going to pass a House resolution that would provide for continuing funding for the government that would have amounted to an 8% cut in discretionary spending over the course of the next X number of months. And not only would it include an 8% cut, it would also include border security measures. And for some reason that no one can discern, Matt Gates and company on the right wing of the Republican caucus decided that they were going to not vote for that. They wanted more. They wanted no spending whatsoever. They weren't going to explain exactly what it was that they did want or what they thought could pass the Senate. Instead, they were just going to stand there and shout no at Kevin McCarthy. And a lot of people were like, I don't even understand why you're shouting at him. Like, what what do you think he can do? He has a Democratic Senate and a Democratic president. He already won one government shutdown debate with Joe Biden because Joe Biden, like a fool, came out and suggested that he was not going to negotiate whatsoever over spending. And then he ended up caving and McCarthy got some funding cuts around the edges. Well, the same thing was going to happen here. McCarthy was going to pass a bill that included an 8% discretionary funding cut and border security measures. It was then going to go to the Senate and Democrats were going to be forced to argue that they would rather the entire government shut down than that these cuts be allowed or that border security be allowed. Again, wrong footing Democrats is what you have to do to win future House elections. Instead, the right wing of the caucus, again, all it takes is a couple of votes for the Republicans to lose their majority on any vote because they only have 221 votes in the actual House of Representatives of the United States, they can only afford to lose about four votes and still pass a piece of legislation by majority vote. And so that got scuttled. And instead, a worse deal got done. And then that worse deal is being used, as we'll see in just a second, by Matt Gates to suggest that Kevin McCarthy ought to be ousted from the speakership. So it was basically a catch-22 that Gates was setting up for McCarthy. He wasn't going to pass a better version of the bill for some unspecified reason because McCarthy was a sellout. And then when a worse version of the bill gets passed, then it's because McCarthy is a sellout. In any case, according to the Wall Street Journal, the House voted 335 to 91 for the measure, exceeding the two-thirds majority needed to clear the bill, which was considered under special procedures requiring a supermajority of votes. All but one Democrat voted in favor of the measure, while nearly half of Republicans voted against it. Several hours later, the Senate voted 88 to 9 to pass the legislation, and then Joe Biden signed the measure. The surprise breakthrough upended expectations. Congress was too divided to pass anything in time to keep the government from partially shutting down at 12.01 a.m. on Sunday. House Democrats initially were suspicious of the proposal and stalled for time. As we'll talk about in just a second, one of the procedures for stalling for time involved actively pulling a fire alarm in order to create some sort of emergency protocol response to delay the vote. On the Senate side, anger over the move to pull Ukraine led to a nerve-wracking dinnertime delay. The measure includes $16 billion in disaster relief. It omits assistance for Ukraine. It excludes border security measures sought by Republicans. And it renews the expiring flood insurance program through November 17th and reauthorizes the Federal Aviation Administration through the end of December. Kiev, for its own part, is in Ukraine. They're downplaying the lack of Ukraine aid in the new spending bill. Ukraine's ambassador to the United States, Oksana Markova, Markova, Markarova, she said, there are funds. The government will work. There is no threat to the supply of previously approved weapons and equipment. She said, there is time. There are resources. More importantly, there's bipartisan and bicameral support for Ukraine. And that may well be true. That you might be able to pass some sort of standalone Ukraine aid provision. But that's not going to be true for very long in the U.S. Congress. In other words, there better be an exit plan, as we say before. Joe Biden, for his part, he came out and he praised 
the Congress for avoiding the shutdown, but then blasted extreme House Republicans for a manufactured crisis. He put out a statement saying, quote, tonight, bipartisan majorities in the House and Senate voted to keep the government open, preventing a necessary crisis that would have inflicted needless pain on millions of hardworking Americans. This bill ensures that active duty troops will continue to get paid. Travelers will be spared airport delays. Millions of women and children will continue to have access to vital nutrition assistance and so much more. This is good news for the American people. But I want to be clear, we never should have been in this position in the first place. Just a few months ago, Speaker McCarthy and I reached a budget agreement to avoid precisely this type of manufactured crisis. For weeks, extreme House Republicans tried to walk away from that deal by demanding drastic cuts that would have been devastating for millions of Americans. They failed. Now, the reason they failed, by the way, is not because of Democrats. The reason that they failed is because Matt Gates and company decided that they were going to fight back against that particular provision. For, again, for, for a reason that no one can discern. It is not conservative to walk away from bigger spending cuts simply out of personal ire, apparently, at Kevin McCarthy. Biden continued while the Speaker and the overwhelming majority of Congress have been steadfast in their support for Ukraine. There is no new funding in this agreement to continue that support. We cannot, under any circumstances, allow American support for Ukraine to be interrupted. I fully expect the Speaker will keep his commitment to the people of Ukraine and secure passage of the support needed to help Ukraine at this critical moment. So he's throwing it back on McCarthy and saying that we definitely need more aid. Obviously, that's a battle that's going to be uh, pretty significant as to how much more aid McCarthy is willing to pass or how much aid Republicans are willing to put forward. Biden then followed up with that. He said, I hope that McCarthy has now had a personal revelation with regard to the extremism of his own caucus, or at least that's what Biden is trying to say. His face hole doesn't work anymore. Mr. President, are you going to be able to trust Speaker McCarthy when the next deal comes around? We just made one about Ukraine, so we'll find out. But are you worried that he is going to be forced by fellow Republicans to back away from any deal he cuts with you? I hope this experience for the speaker has been one of a personal revelation. I'm not being facetious. I, uh, um, anyway. Uh, I mean, honest to God, you watch that clip and you're afraid he's going to expire right in front of your eyes. My God, he looks terrible. The idea that this dude is going to serve until, say, 2028 is nuts. It's nuts. I mean, first of all, everybody knows going into the next election cycle that Joe Biden is not going to serve out those four years, right? We all know this, that he's going to be a year and a half in. He's going to step down and Kamala Harris is going to be the president because there's no way this can continue. It cannot continue this way. And again, I know this is off topic from the continuing resolution and all, but you cannot watch a clip of this man and assume that he is still going to be living five years from now. That is, that is not a wish. That is just a reality. Maybe he will, but he's, he's basically losing it right now. And that is, that is not good news for the American people. In just one second, we'll get to the Democrats trying to hold up the vote through illegal measures. You might say insurrectionist measures. We'll get to that momentarily first. I want to talk to you about DailyWire's most trusted privacy partner and premier sponsor of this show, ExpressVPN. Have you ever heard of data brokers? They're the middlemen collecting and selling all those digital footprints you leave online. They can stitch together detailed profiles, which include your browsing history, online searches, and location data. They then sell that profile to a company that delivers you a targeted ad. Uh, no big deal, right? Well, you might be surprised to learn those same data brokers are also selling your info to the Department of Homeland Security and the IRS. To mask my own digital footprints, I protect myself with ExpressVPN. One of the easiest ways for brokers to aggregate data and tie it back to you is through your device's unique IP address, which also reveals information about your location. When you're connected to ExpressVPN, your IP address is hidden. That makes it much more difficult for data brokers to identify who you are. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of network traffic to keep your data safe from hackers on public Wi-Fi. That's why I have ExpressVPN app downloaded on all my devices. We're talking phone, computer, even my home Wi-Fi router. I just tap one button to turn it on, and now I am protected. My entire team is using it over here in Israel while we are abroad. Make sure your online activity and data is protected with the best VPN money can buy. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. Use my link to get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben, expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. We'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, we're experiencing a lot of global instability as we plunge into primary season. How are you protecting your family in the middle of all of this chaos? The fact is there's one asset that has withstood famine, war, political and economic upheaval dating back to ancient times. That, of course, is gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold, and Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out and balanced investment strategy. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text BEN to 989898 for a free info kit. 
With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold the way that I did. Diversification is always a smart business strategy, particularly in really tenuous times. This is a tenuous time. You should check out my friends over at Birch Gold. Text Ben to 989898. Get in touch with them today. Ask all your questions. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with Birch Gold. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that when people say free, they should mean, you know, actually free. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you will get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last, rugged screen, quick charging battery, top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family will save almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk for years at this point. I tell you that coverage is excellent. I trust them. You can too. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company today. puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so meanwhile, Democrats were taken up short by McCarthy moving forward on a clean CR without the Ukraine funding. And they were pissed because they wanted the Ukraine funding in the continuing resolution. And they want to continue to pour money into Ukraine. And so they were mad. They, they tried to, a bunch of tactics to, to delay the vote, trying to come up with some other sort of solution without having to vote for it. Hakeem Jeffries basically tried to filibuster the thing. But Jamal Bowman, the moronic congressman from New York, and, and there is no other way to put it. He is a moron. I mean, because either he is a moron because he thinks what he was going to do is going to work or he's a moron because he doesn't know how fire alarms work. Let me explain. So as this vote was about to take place, he apparently pulled a fire alarm in a Capitol office building on Saturday. We don't like what? So apparently a security video was distributed to offer so they could find the person who pulled the video alarm. See if you can spot who this is. Yeah, that's that's Joel Mulvin standing directly behind a sign. That says emergency exit only. He, uh, instead of walking through the tunnels, there are tunnels that connect the various office buildings on uh, on the hill. Instead of walking through the tunnels, he uh, he walks over to a fire alarm and he pulls the fire alarm. Representative Jamal Bowman pulled the fire alarm in Cannon this morning, an account controlled by Republicans on the committee. He said an investigation into why he pulled it is underway. There was um, There's a resolution that is now circulating to expel Bowman from the House over the incident. Like the, the idea of pulling the fire alarm in order to delay a vote is insane. Today at 12.05 p.m., a fire alarm was activated on the second floor of the Cannon office building. A Capitol Police spokesperson said the building was evacuated while USCP officers checked the building. The building was reopened after it was determined there was not a threat. An investigation into what happened and why continues. Democrats were trying to delay starting the vote. They'd been given very little notice about the vote. Many complained Republicans were trying to vote before Democrats had time to read the bill. Hakeem Jeffries delivered a 52-minute speech in an attempt to have everybody sort of come up with some strategy to thwart McCarthy. Ultimately, the vote began two and a half hours after it was scheduled to start. Democrats overwhelmingly then voted in favor of the bill because they'd been essentially outplayed by McCarthy on the Ukraine aid, and they were getting pretty much everything else that they wanted in this particular bill. So the big question is, why is Jamal Bowman pulling the fire alarm? And the answer is, he's obviously attempting to delay the workings of Congress. Now, I'm old enough to remember when attempting to delay the workings of Congress in the official duties that they were attempting to to effectuate was considered a criminal violation punishable with years in prison. If you attempt to stop the business of Congress, that's an actual criminal charge. And if you're a congressperson who pulls a fire alarm in an attempt to stop the business of Congress or delay the business of Congress, that is similarly criminal. Jamal Bowman, for his part, he um, he apparently is suggesting that he doesn't know how fire alarms work, which is weird since we all know how fire. Have you ever pulled a fire alarm thinking it was going to open a door? Is that a thing you've ever done? No, because you can read and because you have a functioning brain. So you have two choices if you're Jamal Bowman. Either you're too stupid to understand what a fire alarm does, or you're trying to delay the vote in Congress, which is criminal. So either you're criminally stupid or just criminal. One of the two. And that, those are the only two choices. There is no third choice. Either you're a moron who doesn't understand that if you pull a fire alarm, the fire alarm is going to go off. Or you are actively attempting to stop a vote in Congress from taking place, which is a violation of law. Here is his statement, quote, 
I want to personally clear up confusion surrounding today's events. Today, as I was rushing to make a vote, I came to a door that is usually open for votes, but today it would not open. I'm embarrassed to admit I activated the fire alarm, mistakenly thinking it would open the door. I regret this and sincerely apologize for any confusion this caused. To be very clear, this was not me in any way trying to delay the vote. It was the exact opposite. I was trying urgently to get to a vote, which I ultimately did, and joined my colleagues in a bipartisan effort to keep our government open. I also met after the vote with the sergeant at arms and the Capitol Police at their request and explained what had happened. My hope is no one will make more of this than what it was. I'm working hard every day, including today, to do my job, to do it well, and deliver for my constituents. Peace and love. Uh, you're lying. I mean, like, you're not just lying. You're lying like a rug. Like, obviously lying. We have more information about that in just one second. First, everybody knows I love my Helix mattress. I've been missing it while I'm abroad. Have you checked out their most high-end collection, the Helix Elite? Helix has harnessed years of extensive mattress expertise to bring their customers a truly elevated sleep experience. The Helix Elite collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. I've had my Helix sleep mattress for, I don't know, almost a decade at this point. It is great. It was personalized to me, incredibly durable. My kids love jumping on it. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. Why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? I took that Helix quiz. I was matched with a firm, but breathable mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take that two-minute sleep quiz yourself. Find the perfect mattress for your body and sleep type. Your mattress will come right to your doorship for free. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty. You can try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. Their financing options and flexible payment plans make it so a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders, plus two free pillows for my listeners. Head over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. It's their best offer yet. It won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts right now. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, we all know the first thing we do when we get home from work is change out of those work clothes and Jump into loungewear. Well, luckily for me, I have Tommy John to come home to as I slip into my Tommy John loungewear set. I'm immediately enveloped in a cocoon of supreme softness and unparalleled comfort. Not only is their loungewear cozy enough to use as sleepwear, well, if I have to walk to the park with my kids, I don't look like a schlub. And guys, you might be wondering how these things can get any better. Their underwear is the best. I've been talking about this for years. If you haven't tried them, you're missing out. I took all the other underwear I had. I threw them out. I only wear Tommy John's. Tommy John's stylish and soft second skin underwear has dozens of comfort innovations, like a supportable contour pouch, a breathable light wick, moisture wicking fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. Plus, Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee protects your most valuable assets. So what exactly are you waiting for? Try Tommy John today. You can thank me later. For silky soft comfort with sophisticated style, check out Tommy John's luxurious second skin limited edition colors right now at tommyjohn.com slash Ben. They're going fast, so hurry to tommyjohn.com slash Ben. It's more on this in just one moment. First, you've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy before. Choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. Now, I actually research the show's sponsors because I want to recommend brands I believe in. I can say with full confidence, ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. For starters, ExpressVPN does not log your online activity. Lots of cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers, but ExpressVPN doesn't do that. They've even developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. ExpressVPN also uses Lightway. That's a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. I've tried a lot of VPNs in the past that can sometimes slow your connection, but ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and lets me stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. Not to mention, ExpressVPN, really, really easy to use. You don't need any technical skills to set it up. You just fire up the app, you tap one button, and now you're connected. Even your grandparents could do it. I'm not just the one saying this. It's Business Insider, The Verge, a lot of other tech journals. They rate ExpressVPN as the number one VPN on planet Earth. Protect yourself with the VPN I know and trust. Use my link at expressvpn.com slash Ben today. Get an extra three months free on that one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben, expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. Okay, so it's not just that Jamal Bowman is lying. Like he's still, and this is like a stupid lie. According to Breitbart, Representative Jamal Bowman ripped down two signs warning a second floor door in the Cannon House office building was for emergency use only before pulling the fire alarm and running out through a different door on a different floor. Breitbart News has learned exclusively. Multiple sources familiar with the investigation into Bowman pulling the fire alarm in the house, which triggered a full-scale law enforcement and emergency services response leading to the full evacuation of the building, told Breitbart News exclusively that Bowman ripped two signs down and threw them on the ground first. The sources familiar with the investigation provided Breitbart News with photographs of the scene of the alleged crime later after the emergency door had been restored after the Bowman, after the damage Bowman did to it. So here is what the door and the sign look like right afterward. You can see, first of all, even in the photo, you can see it, there's a giant sign that says emergency exit only. Even in the photo of Bowman, that sign is right there. Emergency exit only. Now, I don't know about you, but I can read. And I expect my congressman to be able to read. I, I know these are like really, really 
big, these are hard things to do, like expecting a congressperson to be able to read the language of English. Emergency exit only typically means you can only exit in an emergency. I know this is like, I know, listen, I know Congress is filled with absolute abject rejects from the community of people with sentient function. I understand this. I mean, right now, if you look at our Congress, we have John Fetterman in Pennsylvania who does not have a functioning brain. If you, We have Lauren Boebert who's fondling people during Beetlejuice. We have Jamal Bowman who's pulling emergency. I mean, we're not sending our best. I gotta be honest with you. We have a lot of adults who are occupying these seats in Congress, but this is pretty next level. The fire alarm that was pulled, I, I, I know I shouldn't have to describe a fire alarm to you because it looks like a fire alarm, but it has a giant word on it. It says fire, push in, pull down. In the photos of the double doors with glass windows, there are clearly two giant red signs on the door. They both say emergency exit only, push until alarm sounds, three seconds, door will unlock in 30 seconds. My favorite part about this whole story is the media attempting to cover for, for Bowman. So Matt Brunig, who is uh, a self-described socialist, he, uh, he tweeted out, Bowman was trying to walk from the Cannon building to the Capitol building to vote. Unusually, the Cannon exit he went to wouldn't open. It had this confusing sign on it. He thought it was saying you had to press the alarm to get out. This all makes sense. What am I missing? Uh, the part where it says emergency exit only. That's the part that you're missing. They're all, this is so ridiculous. If any Republican claimed that they pulled the fire alarm and then they did so by accident, not thinking it was going to open a door. When is the last time, again, when is the last time you pulled a fire alarm thinking it would open the door? Fire alarms are all about us in society. Every time you go to your kid's school, every time you go to an auditorium, Every time you go to a post office, there are fire alarms everywhere. And you know one of the things that no one I know or have ever heard of has ever done? Pulled the fire alarm to actually, you know, open a door. So again, his spokesperson says, Congressman Bowman did not realize he would trigger a building alarm as he was rushing to make an urgent vote. The congressman regrets any confusion. What do you think happens when you pull a fire? So as I say before, there are only two choices. Either he's a moron who doesn't know how, how English works or he's attempting to delay the vote. AOC, for her part, another moron. Again, we are, we are only sending people with IQs below 70 as members of Congress. This apparently is the new rule. Here is uh, AOC defending Jamal Bowman's stunt. Uh, there he is uh, pulling the fire alarm. He says it was an accident. He thought pulling the alarm would open a door. Uh, based on the fact that the doors to his right there were locked and there was a sign that he said he was, con I think someone said it was confusing. I I'll be honest, uh, it doesn't really make sense to me, his explanation. Have you talked to him? W w yeah. What's going on? I there? mean, listen, I think if you actually do see some of the photos of the signs, I think there's, there's something to be said about the government's about to shut down. There's a vote clock that's going down. The exits that are normally open in that building were suddenly closed. He, so you pulled the fire alarm? So I'm, I'm, what I am here to say is that House administration and U.S. Capitol Police and Jamal Bowman are inactive and he's fully participating and saying there was a misunderstanding. <laughs> Not only is she stupid, she thinks you're stupid. It's just, it's incredible, incredible stuff. Meanwhile, Kevin McCarthy went off on Bowman. He says, listen, I noticed again that when you try to delay the workings of Congress, then you go to jail for like ever if you are a, if you are a Republican who backs Trump. And if you are a congressperson who does this sort of thing, then we all pretend that you don't know how to read the language of English. You know, I think ethics should look at this, but this is serious. Um, when you think of how other people are treated when they wanted to come in and change the course of what was happening in this building. And to, did he deny he did it when it's on tape? And I'm going to have a discussion um, with the Democratic leader about it. But this should not go without punishment. Okay, so, um, yeah. And, and there is talk as to what that punishment will be. Will he be fully expelled from the House? Very doubtful. Will he be stripped of committee assignments? Almost certainly. Because again, this sort of activity, not sure how it'd be appropriate from any congressperson. President Trump then, of course, jumped into the fray as well. He put out a statement saying, will Congressman Jamal Bowman be prosecuted and imprisoned for very dangerously pulling and setting off the main fire alarm system in order to stop a congressional vote that was going on in D.C.? His egregious act is covered on tape. A horrible display of nerve and criminality. It was a very dangerous obstruction of an official proceeding, the same as used against our J6 prisoners. Actually, his act may have been worse. He must suffer their same fate. When will his trial begin? So, you know, again, not 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 wrong. I mean, the fact is that, that Jamal Bowman participating in attempting to stop the workings of Congress, if you think it's serious on one side, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, or it should be.
In just a second, we'll get to stupidity on the other side of the aisle as Matt Gates seems to believe that running directly headlong into a wall over and over is genius congressional strategy. We'll get to that momentarily first. The Ben Shapiro Show is supported by Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university with a vibrant campus in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, that's ranked top 20 in the country, according to Niche.com. GCU is a missional, Christ-centered university that strives to foster a culture of community giving an impact. GCU's goal is to help you develop into a servant leader who makes a difference through finding your purpose. With 330 academic programs and over 270 online as of June 2023, GCU integrates the free market system with a welcoming Christian worldview into your bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu today. Okay, meanwhile, Matt Gates is uh, attempting to undercut Kevin McCarthy. He has been since McCarthy won the speakership. Remember, there were 15 rounds of voting and Gates was the lead holdout in the I'm not going to vote for McCarthy caucus. Now, what was weird about that whole situation, as I explained at the time, is there was no one to back him up, meaning there was no other option to McCarthy. He had 190 Republicans who had already pledged to McCarthy. He had like 20, 25 who had not. Most of them were okay with going with McCarthy as long as they got a few concessions. That would include people like Representative Chip Roy of Texas. Again, Chip Roy is a conservative with a plan. Matt Gates seems to be a dude without a plan very often. And um, and we went through 15 votes. McCarthy ends up winning the speakership. And since then, Matt Gates, because he recognizes all it takes is peeling off five votes in order to basically thwart McCarthy being able to do anything with a pure Republican House majority, he's been attempting to bring McCarthy down. I don't know whether that is a personal animus thing. I don't know whether he thinks that this is going to just simply elevate him in the, in the minds of, of the American public. I don't know what it is. But according to the Wall Street Journal, McCarthy's most vocal political antagonist, Representative Matt Gates, has repeatedly threatened to try to oust him as speaker if the California Republicans scheduled a vote on the continuing resolution. Shortly after the House vote, Gates sh- shouted Mr. Speaker to get the attention of Representative Steve Womack, who's chairing the proceedings. Womack did not acknowledge Gates and, tra- and gaveled the session to a close. Total capitulation, said Representative Bob Good, Republican of Virginia, who's indicated he would be open to supporting an effort to oust McCarthy as speaker. He has failed to do anything that he has promised to do. Now, again, the problem is that you haven't made actual demands that are that he's capable of achieving. If you actually wish to pry concessions out of Kevin McCarthy, as I say, Representative Chip Roy has done that repeatedly. But if your version of McCarthy needs to go is he is not governing as a small government conservative, so he has to go. I urge you to look at the constituency of the Senate of the United States, which is Democrat, thanks to the personal intervention of Donald Trump in the Georgia Senate races and the presidency, which is run by Joe Biden because Donald Trump lost to him. Those would be the places to look if you're thinking about how far can you cut the government successfully? And the answer is not particularly far since you don't run the Senate and you also don't run the presidency. And also, I seem not to remember Matt Gates being particularly vocal about cutting spending when Donald Trump was the president and the Republicans controlled the Senate. I don't remember him attempting to shut down the government over spending protocol when it was an entirely Republican Congress and a Republican president of the United States who blew out the budget to the tune of $7 trillion. I don't remember that at all. Do you? Maybe I'm just forgetful. Or maybe this is just politics. I've tried for eight months, McCarthy then told reporters, I tried yesterday with the most conservative stopgap funding you could find. I couldn't get 218 Republicans. And that's correct. He tried to get an 8% budget cut on the discretionary side. And Gates and company voted against it. Here's McCarthy yesterday blasting the Republicans who held out. It's like you held out. And so I had to cut a worse deal. Thank you for that. That would secure our border, cut wasteful spending. Yes, I did. But I had some members in our own conference that wouldn't vote for that. So if you have members in your conference that won't let you vote for appropriation bills, doesn't want an omnibus and won't vote for a stopgap measure. So the only answer is to shut down and not pay our troops. I don't want to be a part of that team. I want to be a part of a conservative group that wants to get things done. Okay, well, Matt Gates clearly does not. I mean, there are certain things that Matt Gates has done that I like. This is certainly not one of them. And his personal grudge match against McCarthy seems to be one of the dumbest things going on in Congress. And again, Congress is filled with dumb things these days. So Gates says he is now going to file a motion to vacate the speakership. And again, all it requires basically is peel off five Republicans and McCarthy has to go through another speakership battle. Again, what concessions is he going to pride McCarthy? He won't say. What does he want from McCarthy? He won't say. Who's his backup to McCarthy? Who's he going to put in the speakership position to take over from McCarthy? He won't say, and neither will anyone else. Steve Scalise does not want it. Jim Jordan does not want it. In fact, one of the worst positions in American politics is Speaker of the House. And I gotta be honest with you, McCarthy so far has handled it pretty well considering the slim majority that he actually has and a Democratic Senate and a Democratic president. But here's Matt Gates saying he's gonna file a motion to vacate the chair. Are you gonna make a motion to vacate? Speaker McCarthy made an agreement with House conservatives in January, and since then he has been in brazen, repeated material breach of that agreement. Uh, This agreement that he made with Democrats, 
to really blow past a lot of the spending guardrails we'd set up is a last straw. And then overnight I learned that Kevin McCarthy had a secret deal with Democrats on Ukraine. So as he was baiting Republicans to vote for a continuing resolution without Ukraine money, saying that we were going to jam the Senate on Ukraine, he then turns around and makes a secret deal. Now, I know you and I probably have different views on U.S. involvement in Ukraine, but however you think about that question, it should be subject to open review analysis and not some backroom deal. So, so I do motion intend- to vacate tomorrow? I do intend to file a motion to vacate against Speaker McCarthy this week. I think we need to this rip week. off the Band-Aid. I think we need to move on with new leadership. Okay, so what is that leadership? He won't say. So he was asked, so who'd be the Speaker? If you, if you get rid of McCarthy, who takes over for him? And Matt Gates is like, mm-hmm. If you somehow succeed after multiple tries, I mean, who would be the Speaker? Uh, well, we have a lot of, it, look, we have a lot of talented people in our conference. Obviously, it's, it's, a, it's an awkward discussion while our number two, Steve Scalise, is in treatment for yeah. blood cancer. So it's, I'm not going to pass somebody over because they're getting a medical treatment. I want to I see how Steve Scalise comes out of that. Um, so Steve Scalise is not going to be the guy. He already does not want to be the guy. He has said that repeatedly. Gates says this isn't personal, by the way. This is all based on principle, which I find hard to believe considering that he voted with Donald Trump's position in the 117th Congress, 100% of the time, literally 100%, which includes presumably all of Donald Trump's big budget blowouts. Anyway, here's Matt Gates talking about how this isn't personal about McCarthy. Well, matter of fact, just a couple of weeks ago, Kevin McCarthy appointed me to the National Defense Conference Committee on the NDAA, and we spoke about some of our aligned defense priorities. So this isn't personal. Some people make policy disagreements personal because their own policy failures are so personally embarrassing to them. I hold no personal animus to any uh, with any of my Republican colleagues. By the way, including my Republican colleague you're about to have on next, who's had some pretty terse words for me. But at the end of the day, this is about spending. This is about the deal Kevin made in January. Again, it, it, it really isn't. It really isn't. Okay, so then Gates says, since the 1990s, it's all about, it, it's been about debt. It's, it's been really about debt here. Since the mid-90s, this government has been ruled by continuing resolution or omnibus bill. That's why we're $33 trillion in debt. My plan to go on to single-subject spending bills would actually allow us to put that downward pressure. And I acknowledge that in divided government, you have to work with Senate Democrats. You have to work with the White House. But I don't think but, you should work with them on a continuing resolution or an omnibus bill. You should make those Senate Democrats have to take up our defense bill to give troops a raise, take up our homeland security bill to make changes at the border, take up our veterans bill. And if they did those things, people would have to vote on specific programs rather than just saying, oh, well, you know, I voted for the government funding bill and sure, there's some stuff at the Department of Education I don't like, but I had to be there for the vessel. I mean, listen, I would love all that stuff too. It's also not going to happen. And the reason it's not going to happen is because every time one of those bills gets brought up, Democrats reject it. And McCarthy doesn't have a durable enough majority in the House to actually get this stuff done in the first place. Now, to be fair to Matt Gates when it comes to spending, Matt Gates has voted against pretty much every budget bill that has ever been presented to him as a congressperson. Matt Gates's voting record when it comes to spending is significantly better than his verbal record when it comes to spending. He seems to become very vocal the minute that Donald Trump is not in office. And when it came to spending while Donald Trump was in office, he voted, frankly, how I would vote on a lot of these budget bills. No, but he didn't talk a lot about it because that would have put him at direct odds with President Trump. So again, he's not wrong on the spending, but this is part of the great lie of, of how conservative politics works these days. You got to get what you can get. The notion that you can always get the moon is silly. I know that there is a whole group of people out there who believe that if you just shout loud enough that magically things manifest, that's not how this works. When Ted Cruz decided to shut down the government over Obamacare in the vain hope that Barack Obama would repeal Obamacare, it was never going to happen. It was never going to happen. When Matt Gates is doing this routine in the vain hope that he's going to get Republicans to cut the budget by 50 percent, Democrats in the Senate and Joe Biden will go along with it. That obviously is not going to happen. Kevin McCarthy, for his part, he says, you know, bring it on. You want you want to do this thing again. Let's do it. Matt Gates, who says he's going to uh, seek a motion to vacate. He's going to try to oust you as Speaker of the House. Well, that, that's nothing new. He's tried to do that from the moment I ran for office. Look, well, this time he says he's going to keep going. May not get there before the 15th ballot, but it took 15 for Kevin McCarthy. He okay. says he's coming for you. Can you survive? Yes, I'll survive. You know, this is personal with Matt. Matt voted against the most conservative ability to um, 
protect our border, secure our border. He's more interested in securing TV interviews than doing something. He wanted to push us into a shutdown, even threatening his own district with all the military people there who would not be paid, only because he wants to take this motion. So be it, bring it on, let's get over with it, and let's start governing. Again, McCarthy's not wrong about this. One of the big problems here is, again, Matt Gates is not the only member of Congress in the Republican Party. There are a bunch of Congress members who are in purple districts. Do you want them to lose their seats? Matt Gates apparently doesn't care because here's the thing. Matt Gates can vote against these budget bills as much as he wants. He's not losing his seat. He's in a very red district. But if you are, for example, Representative Mike Lawler from New York's 17th, you could easily lose your seat, which means the House majority is gone. And when the House majority is gone, what exactly is the check on Democrats doing whatever the hell that they want? Here's Mike Lawler talking about this. Uh, if they vote with Matt Gates, and Gates only needs to have a handful of, of Republicans, and, and he can remove uh, uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy. So what, what's your message to Democrats about whether or not to go along with that? Look, ultimately, Democrats uh, are going to make a decision uh, for themselves. I think it is destructive to the country. Uh, to uh, put forth this motion to vacate. We have a lot of work to do. The American people elected a House Republican majority to serve as a check and balance on the Biden agenda and the administration's reckless spending. The only way to do that is to complete our appropriations work. He's not wrong about this because, again, the, the easy tactical decision for people who are in very red areas is always take the hard line. And then there is the overall job of Kevin McCarthy to make sure that he retains his majority and does the most conservative thing he can. And listen, I don't think McCarthy walks on water. I think McCarthy makes mistakes. I think that he's done things that I wouldn't do sometimes. Do I think that what Matt Gates did here makes any sense? It's because of Matt Gates that the original better bill that the Republicans were going to pass got scuttled. Meanwhile, the 2024 presidential race is heating up. We'll get to that momentarily first. We got a wonderful lady who works over here named Fabby. Fabby does my makeup every morning. She's a delight. We love Fabby. Also, we're all a little scared of Fabby. Fabby is the kind of person who, if you cross her, might commit an actual killing. And, and so here's the thing. There might come a point. It's not today. It's not tomorrow. Where we feel so threatened by Fabby. I mean, physically threatened by Fabby. That we have to look to ZipRecruiter in order to replace Fabi. That'll be a very sad day. But ZipRecruiter also makes sure that Fabi stays in line and doesn't actually murder any of the myriad people who annoy her because she knows that we might go to ZipRecruiter. So ZipRecruiter makes our hiring process a lot faster and easier. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology works for you to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. ZipRecruiter saves you time by letting you easily invite your top candidates to apply to your jobs. They are more likely to apply sooner. ZipRecruiter is trusted by millions of people. In fact, over 3.8 million businesses have come to ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Let ZipRecruiter make your job easier. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire to try ZipRecruiter for free. Again, that is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. Again, it's places like ZipRecruiter that we originally found, Fabby, so you should go check them out right now. Also, back in March, my good friend launched the highly successful Jeremy's Chocolate Bars, hilariously labeled He Him and She Her, only one of which has nuts, which you should know, obviously. The campaign was a huge hit. It sold out in a matter of days. People kept trying to order them. We grew our inventory. We also sold those out. Well, now, just in time for Halloween, we are proud to announce the all-new microaggression-sized chocolate bars because the truth is even sweeter when shared. Fight back against the woke corporations who think werewolves can be mummies. Go to jeremyschocolate.com. Order your chocolate today. Okay, meanwhile, the 2024 race continues to be fascinating in a wide variety of ways. On the Democratic side of the aisle, Joe Biden continues to be incredibly weak. His entire campaign pitch is not going to be the economic side because Americans hate his economic plans. Can't be immigration. Americans hate his immigration plans. Can't be crime. Americans don't like that. Can't really be foreign policy since Americans don't like that all that much. It's going to be, you guessed it, democracy is dying like me. In any case, this is Joe Biden's entire campaign pitch. He is, I, I got, every time I see him, it doesn't matter. Each individual clip on the show, he looks markedly older between the clips. Like the aging process, he is aging like that dude at the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Like he drank the wrong cup. He chose poorly. Here is, uh, here is Joe Biden talking about democracy dying. That's why I think that I want to change, increase the focus on the fundamentals here. That democracy, literally our democracy is at stake. And, and it's by altering the institutional structures to protect it. And, and I think that... Uh, I think we're in real trouble. Um, well, 
that that again is only going to fly if Donald Trump number one is the nominee, number two if he makes that the centerpiece of his campaign. Now, both of those things could very well happen. In fact, I'd say there's like an eighty percent shot that both of those things happen. That Trump is the nominee. And that as the nominee, the centerpiece of his campaign is Trump because Trump can't avoid talking about Trump. However, there is now another confound. So RFK Jr. is now talking about running as an independent, which of course he is, because why wouldn't he? He's not going to get the time of day in the Democratic primaries. They're not going to allow him to run in a, in a broad majority of Democratic primaries. He is not going to actively be on the ballot in many of these places. And uh, and so now, apparently, he is going to drop his bid to challenge Biden for the Democratic presidential nomination and instead mount a third party campaign for the presidency. This is according to a report from Mediaite. A, cam- a Kennedy campaign insider says Bobby feels the DNC is changing the rules to exclude his candidacy. So an independent run is the only way to go. So how much of the vote will he draw? This is an open question. He is currently polling about 15 percent in the national surveys. There's no actual good poll that shows Trump, Biden, Kennedy as a three-person race. However, what the polls do show is that Republicans view Kennedy more warmly than Democrats do. So there's a poll from Quinnipiac University, for example, that shows that Republicans like Kennedy 48 to 18. 18% unfavorable, 48% favorable. Meanwhile, for Democrats, the Quinnipiac poll shows 14% favorable, 57% unfavorable. So... Are there going to be a lot of Republican voters who actually shift away from the Republican ticket and vote for Kennedy as a third party option or more Democrats likely to do so? Now, you can make the case either way. I actually think that he's probably likely in the end to draw more Democrat votes. Why? Because many of the same people who like Kennedy in the Republican Party really like Donald Trump. So they're not it's not the anti-Trump Republicans who like RFK Jr. There is virtually no crossover in that Kamala Harris special Venn diagram. That Venn diagram does not include a lot in the middle. The people who hate Donald Trump but love RFK Jr. Very, very small group inside the Republican Party. However, the group of people that really don't like Joe Biden in the Democratic Party and the people who like RFK Jr. in the Democratic Party, that actually is a pretty sizable group. So is he going to draw more from Republicans, more from Democrats? My guess is in the end, he will draw more from Democrats. Is that enough to put Donald Trump over the top? Theoretically, it could be. This is why you see so much fear on the Democratic side of the aisle over a no labels run or Cornell West or something. They're afraid that Cornell West might draw just enough of the black vote to hurt Joe Biden. What about like a five candidate race in which you have a no labels candidate, like say a Joe Manchin, and you have a a Cornell West candidacy, which is specifically targeting the black community and some woke whites. And then you have an RFK Jr. candidacy, which is basically the Bernie Sanders vote. What 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 then? Well, all of this could chip away at Joe Biden's lead. That is presumably one of the reasons why Republicans are pretty positive about RFK Jr. They think that maybe he's going to thwart Joe Biden's reelect efforts. So that is sort of a fascinating dynamic to throw into the middle of the campaign. Meanwhile. On the Republican side of the aisle, the two mainstream candidates who are opposing Trump, because all the other candidates on the stage are there for bleeps and giggles, basically. Vivek Ramaswamy, as I've said before, is running for Senate in Ohio, or he's running for a position in Trump's cabinet, or he's running for a podcast. Tim Scott is there. No one knows why. Doug Burgum, no one knows why. Chris Christie, because he hates life. Mike Pence, because he wants to shore up his legacy. But the only other two candidates there who who are serious candidates are Nikki Haley, and Ron DeSantis. Both of them had interesting weekends over the weekend. So Ron DeSantis went on Bill Maher's show and he actually did what he should have done like three months ago. It's an interview where he was actually able to push back against some leftist tropes. He's able to have a few viral moments. So he was asked by Bill Maher, you know, in the last election cycle, you backed a bunch of candidates who denied that Joe Biden won the last election. Why did you do that? And here is uh, DeSantis' excellent answer. But you campaigned for, for election deniers in 2022. This I do not forgive. Well, To, to quote the Godfather. <laughs> I, I, I mean, Carrie Lake, who said Biden is an illegitimate president. Trump didn't. Well, now she's attacking me, so maybe I did make a mistake there because uh, she's out there saying, she, she's you, trying to say that we mandated vax in Florida when we did the opposite. We protected people even from private mandates. So, so, so that may have been. But Trump but, lost the election, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so why did you campaign for people? Who because I wanted to see Republicans win key races. And I that's, think it's important. That's not a deal breaker issue for you? That's not democracy? Well, okay, well, let's go back to 2016. Uh, your friends in Hollywood were cutting ads telling the Electoral College to, to vote against Trump in, in the Electoral College because it was stolen. They said Russia stole the election. For years they said that. So don't act like this is like okay. a unique well, thing in modern history of the country. First. Hey, he's right about that. And by the way, he's getting applause from Bill Maher's crowd, which is a typically more to the left crowd. So that, that was a good moment for him. Also, Maher, 
he's been clear about this. Okay, to, to Bill's credit, again, I know Bill. I'm friendly with Bill. I like him. He uh, he said to uh, DeSantis, you did handle COVID better than pretty much anybody. You keep wanting to get back to that. And I don't blame you because you're right. We're on the same page there. And I think it's it's unfair what they did to you because you did handle it better. You did handle it better. You were right. You were like, let's target the people, protect the people who are most vulnerable, and everybody else can go on with their lives a little better. You open schools sooner. And a lot of the stuff that's come in, the information we have after now, we've had a few years to look at it, you were more right. And they won't give you credit for that. Well, it's the not New York about Time- credit for me, though. It's not about credit for me. It's, well, about, okay, but- it's about them admitting that they right. were wrong. Because right. they are setting us up. If this right. happened again, they would repeat the same playbook all over again. But, and if we don't have accountability, that's what's going to happen. So I'll bring accountability so it never happens in our country I, I again. Mean, okay, again, this is the stuff that DeSantis should be doing months ago. Maybe it's too late. Maybe it's not. Okay, so DeSantis is, uh, is starting to, you know, actually, I think, turn it on a little bit in the late stages of the campaign. He did a speech in California in which he went directly at Trump the way he should have all along. He's speaking at the California GOP convention. And he said, listen, Donald Trump always talks about turning Florida red. And that's true. I just wish that he hadn't done some of the other stuff, like turn other states blue. One of my residents was here earlier saying that he turned Florida red. All I will say is uh, Ronald Reagan made the point, there's no limit to what you can do when you don't care who gets the credit. Um, I just wish if he was the one that turned Florida red that he wouldn't have torn Georgia and Arizona blue because that's not been good for us at all. He's exactly right about this. And the case that DeSantis should have been making all along is Donald Trump won an election in 2016, and he has done nothing but lose since then. He's lost Georgia Senate races. He's lost a presidential election to Joe Biden. And guess what? Winning is winning, and losing is losing, and he's lost a lot. Okay, so DeSantis seems to at least be finding some sea legs in this campaign, even though we are now in the later stages of the campaign. Meanwhile, Nikki Haley is also starting to get some traction. First of all, it would be of great benefit if the, if the race would pare down to those three. If it would pare down to those three, it could get some actual data. It would be kind of interesting. Right now, there are too many other candidates drawing four, five, two percent who are sticking around and sucking up money and attention for no apparent reason. So over the weekend, Donald Trump decided that he was going to uh, go after Nikki Haley by calling her a bird brain. Again, he, he has these nicknames for everybody. I've never been a fan of this, of this stuff. And like, uh, first of all, it's a very, very limited group of nicknames. And it's not like he has tons of them. They're not super creative. In fact, they are so non-creative that he's now calling Joe Biden Crooked Joe after Crooked Hillary. Now she's beautiful, Hillary. She's not crooked. She's beautiful. Joe Biden. That guy. Joe Biden. They call him Joe. Crooked Joe. Like, all right. Okay. Well, now he's calling Nikki Haley birdbrain. Quote, MAGA or I will never go for birdbrain Nikki Haley. No loyalty. Plenty of lies. Okay, this loyalty. Nothing drives me crazier than the absolute stupidity of a man who is unbelievably disloyal to extraordinary numbers of people, including, by the way, January 6th protesters who are in jail because of him. He did not pay their legal bills. He did not intervene in any way. Those are his biggest fans. And Donald Trump suggesting loyalty when he has crapped on pretty much everybody who's ever worked for him as like his great test makes me a little, a little annoyed, a little annoyed just because it's ridiculous, okay? You want, you want to say that Nikki Haley shouldn't run because she's a bad candidate? Sure. You want to say that Nikki Haley has no business running because she was in your administration and you're running? And and the fact is that if she was willing to serve you in that administration and thought it was a good administration, what's she doing there? Like, okay, I get it. But loyalty, like loyalty, Donald Trump, Donald Trump calling on people for loyalty is just like beyond. I, I, I don't understand. In any case, he tweets, MAGA or I will never go for bird brain Nikki Haley. No loyalty, plenty of lies. He says, her words mean nothing. She even came to Mar-a-Lago with her family. Anyway, Haley doesn't have the talent or temperament to do the job. Again, he's the one who made her the UN ambassador, so there's that, and gave her cabinet-level status. Um, well, then, his campaign, sent, and this is typical of the way that the Trump campaign works. In other words, amusing, but incredibly ridiculous and, and puerile. He sent a bird cage to Nikki Haley's door in Des Moines, Iowa. It says from Trump campaign, it's a bird cage with some bird seed because he called her bird brain at Nikki Haley. So first of all, if we were going to test pure IQs, Nikki versus Trump, I just got to tell you, I don't think Trump wins that. I really don't. Like Donald Trump has a lot of flattering ideas about his own intelligence. He's great at a great many things. And like a pure IQ test, does that dude score two standard deviations above the American average? I don't know. In any case, 
his campaign sends her a birdcage because this is the way that we campaign in America now, like, like fifth grade school children. This has been true since 2015. And it really is, again, a point of annoyance. For me. I know some people find this endlessly entertaining. I know. And I know that they'll find it endlessly entertaining when Donald Trump as a candidate sends a wheelchair to Joe Biden's front door. And it'll be really funny. And I'll laugh too. And it ain't going to win him any additional votes. And so anyway, he sent that to Nikki Haley. And, and the way the Trump campaign works is that, that Nikki Haley then tweets that out. Because after a day of campaigning, this is the message waiting for me outside my hotel room. Hashtag pretty pathetic. Try again. Hashtag you just made my case for me. And um, and then the all the replies are all the replies from the Trump crowd are this is Jussie Smollett. This is this is fake. It's not real. It's not true. It could it didn't happen this way. What is this nonsense? It's all. Bo- OK, there's only one problem with that. There's only one problem with that. Trump's campaign literally sent the picture to Mark Caputo to tweet out. So it went from, as with every Trump narrative, it went from, he definitely didn't do that to, I mean, how dare you? You're making that up too. He did do it and it was a joke. Pretty funny, huh? huh? Like, okay, guys, pick one. Seriously, pick one. It's just like the gaslighting is so strong. And I get that it's all prankster bull crap and it's all memery and all the rest of this. But like at a certain point, shouldn't, and shouldn't from Congress to the presidency, shouldn't everybody grow up a little bit? Like just a little, like grow the, grow the f- up a little bit. Come on. Like, I'm, I'm not just talking about Trump. I'm talking about Biden who acts like a child. I'm talking about Lauren Boebert at Beetlejuice. I'm talking about Matt Gates challenging Kevin McCarthy on the basis of what? Scuttling a, a better deal for conservatives. I'm talking about Jamal Bowman pulling the fire alarm or AOC doing Instagrams of herself putting her face in ice water while she jabbers about democratic socialism. Like, why is our class of politicos a group of five-year-olds? I don't understand. I don't, well, maybe I do. In the end, I guess it's the voters' fault. My ire today runs strong. My kids got me up at 5.45 in the morning and annoyed me. And they are less annoying than our political class. Okay, in other news, Dianne Feinstein died over the weekend. Dianne Feinstein was, of course, incredibly elderly. Uh, she she died at the at a ripe old age, having served in Congress for several years longer than, than she was fully sentient. She was 90 years old. Um, and um, she was given the, the traditional send-off of the media, which was, pathological worship of her record. They, they termed her a centrist, which is very weird since she had basically a 100% voting record with Joe Biden. I, I've, I struggled to see what exactly about her record was centrist in any way. She was a, she was a far left liberal person. She's in my book, good for, in, in terms of politics. She did one good thing. And that was this amazing clip of Dianne Feinstein. It's, it's still one of my favorite political clips of all time. A bunch of environmentalist children arrive at her office to chide her about her environmental record. And, uh, and she's like, your children get out trying to ask you to vote yes on the Green New Deal. Okay, I'll tell you what. We have our own Green New Deal. Some scientists have said that we have 12 years to turn this around. Well, it's not going to get turned around in 10 years. What we can do Senator, if this doesn't get turned around in 10 years, you're looking at the faces of the people who are going to be living with these consequences. The government is supposed to be for the people and by the people and You know what's interesting about this group is I've been doing this for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. You come in here and you say it has to be my way or the highway. I don't respond to that. I've gotten elected. I just ran. I was elected by almost a million vote plurality. And I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Wreck the children. Do it. Yes. Love it. That is uh, that is that is awesome. Uh, so, um, yeah, fond farewell to Diane Feinstein on that score. And again, best wishes to her family. Disagree with her on everything politically. But she did dedicate three de- decades of her life to serving in the United States Senate. Nancy Pelosi says she left on her own terms. Again, that is a, that is a weird way to say that she should have left the Senate several years ago when she was no longer mentally functional, which is obviously true. That it's here. Here is Nancy Pelosi. Because yesterday you accompanied Senator Dianne Feinstein on her final journey home to San Francisco yeah. aboard the military plane. It must have been a, a difficult journey. What was going through your mind during the flight? Well, I was with her daughter. And see, it, it, with Dianne, it's obviously official. It's political. And it's very personal. This is a, a woman who she left on her own terms. You saw how she answered Larry Craig. But she did that any number of times when colleagues or others try to minimize her standing on an issue. 
She and I were not always on the same place on the spectrum of politics, but we all cared about our country. Yeah, again, when Nancy Pelosi says stuff like that, I start to vomit a little bit. That you know, when we all cared about our country, Nancy Pelosi is as far left as it's possible to be. Her behavior in office has been egregious on multiple occasions. But again, when when somebody passes away and they've done a lot of public service, then they deserve some respect for that. Now, on to the next controversy, which is Gavin Newsom. So Gavin Newsom has to fill her seat. This means that this is the second Senate seat that he has had to fill. The first one was Kamala Harris when she was for no reason at all, except that she's a black woman appointed vice president of the United States by Joe Biden. Um, And uh, she was then replaced by Alex Padilla, who no one had ever heard of. And now, after Dianne Feinstein has died, Governor Gavin Newsom was getting pressure to fill that seat with a black woman, because obviously, if Kamala Harris was replaced by a Latino man, this means that the next seat has to be replaced by a black woman. This is how we do staffing in Democratic administrations. Now, there's a problem. He doesn't like Barbara Lee. So Barbara Lee, who is the prominent black congressperson running for the seat, she obviously wanted to basically just inherit the seat. And Gavin Newsom didn't want to intervene in that because he has Adam Schiff running for that office. Nancy Pelosi wants Adam Schiff in that office. There are a bunch of other candidates who are running. So instead, he has decided to choose off the board. He's going off the board and selecting a person named LaFonza Butler to the seat. Now, who the hell is LaFonza Butler? LaFonza Butler is a lesbian Democratic strategist and advisor to Kamala Harris's 2020 presidential campaign in which she was wildly successful, by the way. Kamala Harris was, she must have been such an amazing campaign advisor that Kamala Harris had to drop out before California. She was such a good campaign advisor. She is the only black woman serving in the U.S. Senate, according to the AP, and the first openly LGBTQ person to represent California in the chamber. She leads Emily's List. So all she does is abortion. She's also a former labor leader with SEIU 2015. So, I mean, her wild left-wing credentials are well in order. She's a lesbian black woman who leads an organization devoted to abortion and is a former labor leader with the SEIU. She also happens to not be from California. So there's that. In her biography on the Emily's List website, it says she's from Maryland. She owns a residence in Maryland. She's from Maryland. So congratulations to Maryland on getting a third senator, I suppose. The reason Gavin Newsom did this, obviously, he, he checks the box that says black woman. He also doesn't endorse Barbara Lee, so he doesn't have to piss off Adam Schiff and his crowd. So clever pick by Gavin Newsom, who definitely is not running in 2024, guys. He's definitely not running or hoping that Joe Biden will simply keel over and open things up. So, uh, so again, clever political move by, by Gavin Newsom, but demonstrative, once again, of the fact that the way to get ahead inside the Democratic Party is to have some pretty excellent intersectional credentials. Okay, time for some things that I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like today. I have to say that it is amusing to watch Democrats F around and find out when it comes to immigration. So Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, the state's being inundated with illegal immigrants who are being shipped from the southern border because it turns out a lot of people who cross the southern border would like to go to New York. She's like, well, you know what might be a solution to be to restrict migration? Oh, you don't say, Kathy. Here we go. It can be done. This can be done in a bipartisan way, comprehensive immigration reform. Where what specifically quotas, do you want? Numbers people can come in. Well, we want them to have a limit on who can come across the border. It is too open right now. Uh, people coming from all over the world are finding their way through, simply saying they need asylum. And the majority of them seem to be ending up in the streets of New York. And that is a real problem for New York City. 125,000 newly arrived individuals and we are being taxed. Now, we are always so proud of the fact that New York has the Statue of Liberty in our harbor. harbor. We, we are mm-hmm. one of the most diverse places on earth because of our welcoming nature and our it's in our DNA to welcome immigrants. But there has to be some limits in place and Congress has to put more controls at the border and not in this budget threat, shutdown right. threat, talk about eliminating positions for border patrol when we actually need to double or quadruple those numbers. So get back to work and do your jobs. So yeah, there is great irony to all the Democrats who are claiming, what, what does it say on the Statue of Liberty? Look at the Statue of Liberty. What does it say? Well, it's in New York and apparently you guys can't read. So that's exciting news. The New York Times has an entire piece today titled, Why, we can't, why can't we stop unauthorized immigration? Because it works. Apparently it's amazing. According to the New York Times, Responding to the sense of crisis in New York and around the nation, the Department of Homeland Security recently announced it would grant temporary protected status to about 472,000 Venezuelans, allowing them 18 months to live and work in the United States. This measure may help New York because many of the migrants there have traveled to the state from Venezuela. But as Eric Adams pointed out on the Upper West Side, New York now also shelters migrants from all over the globe, including Ecuador, Eastern Europe and West Africa. So the Biden administration's decision on temporary protected status is at best a partial and fleeting solution. 
The variations in policy between administrations have had almost no effect on the number of migrants trying to enter the United States through the southern border. So why exactly is this happening? Well, because, says the New York Times, everybody is very mobile. Also, our labor markets require low-cost labor, and American consumers benefit from the low-cost labor, which, by the way, if the New York Times thought about this for two seconds, they might think, hey, maybe the unions that we're constantly backing are actually a problem for the cost of labor in the United States. Legal immigration today is close to impossible for most people, so a lot of people are trying to get through through the southern border, and that's why. Okay, well, number one, that doesn't answer why exactly we shouldn't shut the border on a moral level, but also it does raise the question, if what you are saying is that the reason illegal immigration is mandatory is because we need lower labor costs, maybe you should stop backing inflationary public policy that jacks up labor costs from union policy to monetary and fiscal policy to welfare programs that allow for low pay in the private sector, but that are then subsidized by the taxpayer. Maybe be the, maybe those things. No, nothing. Bueller. Oh, I guess then you're just going to have to deal with the fallout. All right, guys, the rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into Kerry Washington, the actress. She has a new book out and she has some fascinating things to say. Become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us.